Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to the Runner's World podcast with me, Ben Hobson. And me, Jane Maguire. This week, we're speaking with Sam McGrath about the fitness philosophy behind the world's elite military. Now, the basis of any military program of fitness is based on something that's cheap and scalable. And there is nothing better than running and a bit of circuit training to get people up the curve quickly. So, Jane, Happy New Year. Welcome to 2020. Happy 2020. Did you go running over Christmas? I did. I was lucky enough to do hills in Essex and then hills in... I keep saying Preston, but everyone tells me to say Clitheroe. Clitheroe, the countryside. Lancashire. Lancashire. How do the hills compare Essex, Lancashire? I mean, Lancashire's a lot more beautiful. True. Not that I can throw any shade on where I'm from, but... um, I mean, Epping Forest is beautiful, but, you know, there's some horrible hills around Loughton and Buckhurst Hill, for anyone who knows them. Um, And I really believe I would not have run three marathons if I had to train in either place. I do not like hills. So if hills had been more... Involved in my plan. I could... I just... I just just cannot bear them. (laughs) I just can't. So was there any hill training at all when you... No. Wow. No. They are very good, though. They are good, yeah, as, you know... I've done some runs with my brother and he was on and on about the hills and how well, good they were. You set a new 10K... Set a 10K PB yesterday, so maybe the hills, the hills. are alive. <laughs> with something, something. <laughs> with something that made me better at running. Oh, well, um, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. good. Well, we should speak to our guest. We should. Guest of the week. Here in the studio. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete. Major Sam McGrath was one of the youngest soldiers since World War II to achieve the rank of Major, with tours in Iraq and Afghanistan and ran the selection course for the legendary Parachute Regiment for three years. Since leaving the Army, he has run a number of high-profile ultramarathons. In his new book, Be Parafit, he shares the core values that he learned as a para, ones which he believes are applicable to civilian runners as they are to elite soldiers. Sam, welcome to the Runners World podcast. Delighted to be here, Ben. Thanks for the invite. Before we get into the book, why running? Um, why running? Uh, I mean, look, I've been doing it for so long now. Um, it's kind of it's it's almost part of my identity. Right. Uh, but I mean, the, the backstory is uh, 25 years ago, um, a careers advisor in my school asked me what I wanted to do. Um, I started with stuntman. We ended up with paratrooper. Um, I went to the careers advisor. He told me I needed to run five days a week. 
Um, I took him literally, um, and and I was um, and I turned up on day one, and I smashed um, the I smashed the race. I won everybody. I beat everybody by about a about a minute, wow. um, and it just it, it quickly became something which just formed part of my identity, and it became a need, um, and I've been doing it ever since, and I love it. So how did it fit in with your your career then? Was it sort of something that went because obviously to be a paratrooper you've got to be incredibly fit. So was it something that you would do in your spare time or was it built into the sort of the lifestyle? Well, I, I guess, you know, it kind of, it's multi-phase, but I, in order to join the parachute regiment, yeah. you need to get to a decent standard to be kind of uh, considered. Yeah. Um, and so I started running every day. I did that for a couple of years. Um, and um, and then, you know, I, day one, um, you know, in the army and I win this race. Yeah. And it was, it, this was so far from anything I'd done outside of, um, you know, right. I, I wasn't a runner at school. But I, I was then seen as this really fit dude. Um, and, and, and what was kind of interesting to me was that um, it was something that I started doing because I had to do it. Um, but then when I started to enjoy the success of being seen as fit and being someone that was demonstrably fitter than anybody else, um, I started to associate the feeling of pushing myself in training to that euphoric feeling that I got from being associated with being a fit guy and being a paratrooper. And so it, it became an intrinsic motivation rather than an extrinsic one. So your book, which is uh, Be Parafit, is a sort of a uh, taking what you've learned from your military career and the fitness and applying it to life, running? What's what's the sort of the broad spectrum of it? So, so the essence is this. I spent 11 years in the parachute regiment. Um, the final two years I commanded the selection course. Um, so I took civilians um, who'd not been part of the military and I took them from, from a kind of standing start to being really, really fit. Um, now the basis of any military program of fitness is based on something that's cheap and scalable. And there is nothing better than running and a bit of circuit training to get people up the curve quickly. Um, and so what I've done in this book is um, I've taken all of that core experience that I ga- gathered in 11 years in the parachute regiment um, and then I've combined it with the 10 years that I've had since leaving the parachute regiment. Uh, and now I'm, I'm an MD in a, in a big bank. Um, I've got four kids, um, but I'm still competing at the kind of you know top of my peer group in, uh, in ultramarathons. And so I've tried to blend that core you know fitness thing with really the complexity for me is how do you find time for it? How do you maximize that time that you've got available? And how do you kind of build a life that that supports the training ambitions that you have? And what's the time frame? It's four weeks. So look, um, so four weeks, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to miss sell, but the, the, there is anyone who tells you you can transform your fitness um, and you can go from kind of sofa to 100Ks in four weeks is full of it. Um, <laughs> what I'm saying here is that um, you need to build a pattern um, and it takes four weeks to embed something into being a habit. Um, and once you embed something into a habit and it's something that becomes enduring and, and sustained throughout your life, that's 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 the route to elite fitness um and 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 so um in four weeks what i'm aspiring to do is to embed fitness into someone's daily rituals such that they're still doing it in 40 years not just in you know in in four weeks time so this is running and and sort of things that people can do at home this is all that sort of working out yeah so this can be done anywhere on on any budget even you know even in my job i often find myself um, in places where there's no gym um, and I've got to kind of maximize, you know, no resources to train. And, and so what I've learned is that running is the basis for everything. Um, and I complement that with strength sessions. But in practice, 
running is the kind of thing that you know that I love. Yeah. Um, I do strength sessions really because I know I should do. Got right. it. I think that's like everyone, really. Every, every runner ever. <laughs> um, in your experience, how has, like in the book, you talk about having a mantra and how has that kind of mantra of background of a paratrooper kind of helped you during the endurance races, which you've kind of come on to? Um, so, 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 Jane, let, let me answer that sort of slightly differently. Um, fitness is really a medium for us to build the mindset in our people. Um, and so, yeah, paratroopers are fit. But actually, the process of selecting someone is such that you, you you push them beyond their appetite for challenge. And in the process of doing that, you get them to understand that they're capable of more than they think they are. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I think that that is that mindset is something which gives paratroopers the edge in battle. But it's also a mindset which I think is just as relevant for someone in the workplace. It's just as relevant as someone that's got a, a load of kids or, you know, a sort of difficult things in the life and so you know having the confidence that you can do more than they think that you think you can do now um we use running as a means to do that because you know it's cheap it's easy um and and i found that um not only do it does it kind of build this kind of growth mindset and this grit that's really really useful but it also gives me the mental space um to to kind of be a more present father because look let's face it after you've done a really hard interval session, it doesn't matter what you've done in the office. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you've just forgotten all about it. And so it's kind of this sort of cleansing thing. Um, and so for me, it's, it's the two things. One is running gives people a really potent mindset um, to, to kind of tackle their limiting beliefs and bulldoze them. And the second thing is it gives people mental space to kind of be more present, which I think we all need to do more of. Do you think that mindset can be trained or do you think you have it or you don't? So, I mean, that's kind of going to the core of my, my, my philosophy, but absolutely I do. I think, you know, I, I, I believe that, you know, um, everyone is capable of more than they currently are. Um, and what I love about running is that what better way to instill a growth mindset in someone than, than, than prove to them that, look, if you do this for four weeks, um, whatever you do on day one is going to be significantly less than what you're capable of in four weeks' time. Um, and, and, and so, you know, you then translate that and you say, well, okay, so, you know, if you've been able to really improve the way that you perform physically, apply that same focus to school, apply that same focus to the office, and the same is true. So absolutely, you know, um, and what I'm really selling in, in, in my book is um, it's not about fitness. The fitness is, is, is the mechanism. The prize is the mindset. Um, and that's the thing that's really going to transform your life. So you talked about your your career, military career finished sort of 10 years ago, but the, that's when the running kind of has almost taken off in, in as an entity as, on itself. Yeah. So look, I mean, I um, I was good. I mean, I, you know, I, sort of was, I was, look, I was in my battalion. I was the fastest runner in, in you know, in, in, in the uh, the para battalion I was in. Um, um, but there wasn't really opportunity for competition outside of that. Um, and so when I went to Singapore um, I and, and joined banking, I didn't really like the sedentary life um, and I needed something to kind of give me a, an avenue to kind of almost kind of look we're you know we're we're physical people you know physical creatures we need to kind of push ourselves physically and so running became that kind of mechanism to kind of release stress um, and I you know I did really well I won a um, the, the sort of Singapore uh, category of the North Face race there um, 100k um, I then represented Singapore um, and and then since then and in between kind of babies arriving in our family um, you know my wife let me go off and do some races and um, look I 
uh, it's rare. I only got one podium last year. Um, it's rare I'm one, two or three, um, but I've not been outside of the top 10 with, with one exception in the last two years. So there's a sort of a natural ability that you obviously have discovered and then it, it just became fundamental to your sort of being and well-being, I guess, is, is what sort of happened with your running. Yeah, Ben, I, I don't think it's a natural ability. I mean, right. look, I, I actually think what I've done is I've kind of taken weaknesses and turned them into strengths. Right. I mean, look, I've written a book. I failed my English literature GCSE. Um, I didn't get anywhere near the athletics team at school, but you know, actually, I turned that weakness into a strength. I joined, you know, and 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 so I think my message is to people that you know, just because you're not good at something now, you invest in it, you turn that weakness into a strength, and 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 and, and that kind of framework is something that you can apply to anything. Um, and you've obviously to go back to the army, you've trained countless recruits. What are the common qualities that kind of unite? the high-performing soldiers, and then the high-performing runners? So, look, I, I, let me kind of go even bigger than that. I think high-performing individuals, high-performing teams are based around three things. Um, I think it's optimism. Um, I think it's grit. And I think it's a locus of control. Um, and and so, you know, optimism, you, you know... It, in order to do things which are difficult, that are, that are intimidating, you need to have optimism that it's possible. Um, and, that, and that's true in running. It's true in the workplace. I think it's true anywhere. Um, grit, you know, the, the route to getting something that's important to you is not going to be straight. It's not going to be linear. Um, you're going to have to push through barriers. You're going to have to push through trauma and bounce back stronger. Um and and then the third thing, a locus of control. You know, it, you know, sort of, you know, you need to believe that you own your outcomes. If if you think that that the reason because you, that you didn't win that race or you didn't do well in whatever it is that exam is because of some external factor, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and and I think that the people that I saw select that 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 succeeded in paratrooper selection, the people that succeed in in the organisation I work in now, are all people that have got those three traits: optimism grit um and the locus of control so have you got a favorite distance now because you ultras ultras seem to feature heavily but is that is that just by default or do you is that sort of what what you really wanted to challenge yourself with so look um but i, I what do i um I, look i'm by no means a world cl- world-class runner i'm a kind of you know a decent club runner kind of standard but um i i've i've kind of i i miss the wilderness you know, I, I had a job where I was outdoors all the time. Um, and so what ultramarathon running gives me is the ability to be out on my own for two or three hours. Um, and I'm re- reasonably competitive at it. Um, I find that, you know, I'm really good at half marathons. I'm really good at 10Ks. Um, I find the marathon the most difficult distance because it's a kind of blend between being fast yeah. and long. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's something I'll kind of go back to, I think. But but at the moment, ultramarathon kind of feeds the need that I have. Um, and I try and sort of intersperse that with half marathons when I can. I think with January and marathon training beginning, everyone will want to know how, if you've got four children and you have a proper like a big job and you're writing a book how have you fit ultra marathon training in the straight answer is um i i'm really focused on what's important to me um and then i'm really structured around making sure that all 168 hours i have a week are aligned to those things um and so that kind of manifests in you know being having really hard edges to my days in the office um making sure that i 
I don't fund my training time with sleep because that's going to be counterproductive. And I don't fund it with time with my family because, you know, ultimately that's the thing that, you know, that's my real legacy, you know, that, you know, growing kids, uh, you know, having kids that kind of thrive and are independent. And so um, what I've, what, what, writing this book has, has helped me do is it's helped me codify it you know it's they say that the best thing to kind of best way to learn something is to kind of teach it um and so all of the research that i've done and that's come into this book has really helped me refine my practice and i mean i think i think people often confuse activity with something that's going to sort of achieve an outcome um and so most of the things that actually propel me in running aren't actually running. Um, so making sure I get eight hours sleep every night, making sure that I eat well, that I'm hydrated, making sure that I restrict when I eat so that I'm kind of intermittent fasting, making sure that I've got full range of movement in my um, in my limbs. You know, those have been things which I neglected as a paratrooper, um, but I've, I've invested in, you know, as, as, a, as a more mature um, athlete, um, which have actually meant that, I'm not training as much, but but those things have kind of propelled me far um, far more than than if I was kind of eating whatever I wanted, not sleeping, because you know it gives me the ability to kind of benefit from each training session, you know, the sort of stress recovery adaptation process, and 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 so um, I think that's a big part of it. Well, and look, and look, you know, your watch doesn't know the difference between an hour you spend on social media and an hour you spent pushing yourself yeah. around the track, but your body does. Um, and, and, and so, you know, I have a really structured approach to goal setting. Um, and, and as well as saying, right, this is the vision. So my goal, my big vision this year is to, to do UTMB in under 30 hours. Um, that's the, that's the aspiration. But the other thing I do is I give myself some hygiene things, right? What are the, the minimum standards that I'll hold myself to? So I will do five running sessions. I will always be able to do a 10 K in under 38 minutes. I'll always be able to do 10 pull-ups. As soon as those things are not possible, I know that another area of my life is out of balance. And so I think it's, it's, it's being clear on what's the aspiration, but also being clear on what's the minimum standard that you're going to hold yourself to, whether that's in sleep or nutrition or, you know, or training as well. And do you think you learned that kind of thing in the military? Because that seems to, from an outsider, that seems to be a very like structured way to live. Is that something that came in from that? Do you know, I, I think actually it's something that the, the framework came from the military. But I mean, you know, 10 years ago, my life was being fit. I didn't need to think about things like that. Um, it was it was part of my job. Um, you know, it's, now I'm really managing scarcity, you know, scarce time. How do I kind of squeeze the most out of every bit of it? Um, and, and so, you know, I've taken the kind of the military approach to planning, which ultimately is how do you manage scarce resources against a one-off complex project? You know, albeit, you know, the opposition's, you know, yeah. <laughs> not with you. But, you know, look, but, but you know, there's lots of things that, that can, can prevent you from achieving your fitness goals. You know, whether it's social media, whether it's, a, you know, an unsupportive spouse, whether it's a, an immersive job. Um, and I, I find that being structured around what matters the most to me and then making sure that everything I do is aligned to that. People talk about values. And I think the best way to kind of um, to express someone's value is how they commit time to it. Someone says my kids are really important to me, but they don't spend any time with them. Well, it's completely incongruent with the statement. And so, you know, um, I, 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 I try and apply those things to the things that matter the most. So are you on social media? 
Do you know, I'm not, but I should be. <laughs> well, um, no, it, sounds, it sounds like you don't have time. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so look, social media, I think, is a great tool. Um, but I think, you know, it's a bit like money. Um, it, it's a great servant, but it's a terrible master. Um, and, and so um, I try and use social media as something to help me. Um, and, and, and I think, um, you know, so a, a good example is Strava. Um, I, I have a virtual coach. My virtual coach is a guy called Vladik Sul. He's like 25th in the world. He's in- incredibly accomplished ultra marathon. Uh, uh, but he lives in Hong Kong and, and, and Australia. Now, I use Strava as the accountability mechanism. Yeah. He tells me what to do. I go and do it. And he tells me to either speed up, slow down, do more or do little. Yeah. And, and I just, it works really well for me. Yeah. I do not engage Strava to like my friends' runs. That's not because they're not important to me. Yeah. But I recognise that that is when I'm being a servant to, you know, a slave to kind of Strava. Yeah. But when I kind of use it as something to kind of help me achieve the things I want to do, um, then, then you know, that, that, that's and that's kind of how I engage LinkedIn and it's kind of how I engage Facebook and other things like that. No, it's interesting. I've, I've, I've cut all ties from social media at the start of the year just as a sort of a nice time off period. And, um, yeah, I think that you're right. I think that there's a, it's, it's, a, it's a time vacuum, most importantly. I think that, that you can just spend far too much time looking at things which serve no purpose. Well, and, and there's like this kind of, uh, looking at the smartest minds of our generation are competing for our time. And, you know, and, um, and, uh, and I look at it and I think, um, how many times do I come away from a social media experience feeling uplifted or better? Um, and, 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 and I think, you know, that there's a, there's a, a, a great YouTube video from a, a guy who's been given like a month to live and he writes called the, the, the last lecture. Yeah. Um, and he, and, you know, we all have such limited time, um, and, and to be able to look at everything that you do and be able to reconcile whether or not it's something that is moving you forward or moving those people that you love the most forward is I think a really good framework. And I don't get that from most engagements with social media. Um, and so I try and kind of pull, um, from it rather than being sucked into it. Um, but look, I'm more student than teacher. Um, so apart from the UTMB, mm. what's 2020 hold for you? Um, so um, I'm just at that time where I'm kind of working at all the things I want to do. So um, so UTMB is obviously the pinnacle um, and it's been a, you know, a, a while in the making. Um, I've, got a, I've got a 50K at the end of March in Singapore. Um, I'm going to do think, a thing called the Dragonback Race, which yep. is a thing in, uh, in Wales. I'm going to do the Bob Graham again um, in, in early July. Um, and I'll probably do a couple of other things, um, but but I'm clear that UTMB is the prize, and, and and I wouldn't do anything that would jeopardise that. So well, all the best for 2020 and all the running and the book, of course. And thanks so much for joining us. Been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is the Runner's World Podcast. It's 2020, and he's back in the studio with us for some half-running news, half... What should we call it? Half ranting. Oh, oh, great. Ranting. Good. Kerry McCarthy. We love a Kerry Hello. Rant. Happy 2020, everybody. I hope everyone is rested and ready to um, hit the roads and trails this year. I'm going to kick off the new year with some environmental news, which is always good. It is specific to people in London, but if you don't live in London, um, there is a kind of a, a wider purpose to this. So keep listening. Um, it concerns the drinks brand Tenzing, which you may have come across in supermarkets over the last year or so. They last year they summer they last summer they partnered with King's College London to launch uh, a clean air tracker. Yes. Um, now, if you live in London or indeed if you've just visited it for the day, you will be aware that the air quality here ain't great. Um, in fact, uh, apparently it exceeded the European and UK air quality limit values for the whole year on 18th of March last year, just 77 days into 2019. Good stuff. So apparently we have similar toxic air pollution levels to Beijing and New Delhi. Which is which famous is for their air. Yeah, famous for their air. Um, anyway, they launched this tracker in conjunction with Strava. Uh, it's mobile only. You basically sync from Strava if you use it, um, and it will tell you after your run the the air quality of where you've just been. Oh, nice. Subsequent to that, um, they've actually added on a load of cleaner runs that you can do now. So, as well as potentially sort of tweaking your route based on feedback, you can go and choose routes which which are less polluted for you. And, which is new now, um, they've started um, their Clean Air Run Club, uh, which is obviously very, very London-centric. It goes every Thursday night from out from near Southwark Station, basically, near, near South Bank. And they will take you on a 7 to 10k run route, which is kind of the least polluted at the time, because obviously the pollution levels are kind of shifting day by day, which I think is great. I mean, I think... This is something that, if possible, should kind of be rolled out in other cities and I feel urban like, conurbations. Hundred percent. I feel like a like a uh, almost at a uh, government level. I think if this is a sort of benchmark of what can be achieved, then the councils of Greater Manchester and everywhere else should probably think, "Oh, this would be a lovely way to serve our citizens." Yeah, I mean, I think if there were if there were data available where you could precisely say this many deaths a year are directly contributable yeah. to air pollution. Now, I did read a figure somewhere about 40,000 deaths a year, but I mean, I'm a bit dubious about that because how do you work out that those 40,000 people, you know, what happens if some of them were smokers as well? Yeah. How, you know, how do you work out exactly what it is that killed them? Or they just had like really poor immune systems. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, Happy I think it's great. <laughs> Happy 2020. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I think that's a really great thing. Um, you can see a time in the future, you know, when we yeah, do these future casting sure. things in the future, when you can see a time in the future where people will be like, plotting it in on their holographic device um just saying take me on the cleanest route i think it's brilliant yeah um secondly and this does involve strava again and i think we might have to come up with a second jingle for me because this isn't news based it's more of a kind of a 
a ranty hot take. So maybe we need a Carrie's hot take jingle. Got it. As well. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, uh, the older I get, the more I can see this happening. Cantankerous. Cantankerous Carrie. Done. Go. Was yeah. nobody recording Done that? Tech. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm curious to see what, what you guys and uh, listeners think of this. But, I mean, you know, there was a time when Christmas used to be a time for joy, peace, family, overconsumption of beige food. Um, all that kind of thing. Now I think we can add a new tradition to the list, which is humble bragging by runners. Yes. Yes. You get to Christmas week now and everyone, mostly powered by Strava stats, I think, is just wanging on about how many miles they've run in that calendar year. And I I just don't get it. You'll see, you know, somebody will repost a graphic which says something like 1,846 miles and then there'll be a comment underneath which, you know, along the lines of, I was aiming for 2,500, but an ACL tear, adrenal fatigue after doing the marathon de on my hands, um, you know, keeping a mistress as well as a wife and project managing the builders in our six-bedroom countryside love nest. Man, I didn't quite manage it, but I'm happy with that. Onwards. And you're just like, what? I've got two takes on this, which is that, first of all, it's, a, it's, an un, it's unrepresentative to what that person's been aiming to do for the year. Now, if someone's, got, if someone's got massive mileage because they've done three ultras throughout the year, talk about the three ultras. It's, it, they're the successes. You, by default, you're going to have a large, a big running year. So like, just putting it out there, like, oh, I did 3,000 miles this year. It's like, oh, all right, well, cool. But the other things you did were better. So talk about those more. And then the other thing. But then the other, th- the other side of that is that some people, and just what Sam was talking about, being slave to it rather than master, is that people are... People are simply running as far as they can for that end of year total. Yeah, but I'm guilty of that. I wanted it to be on an enumeral of five. <laughs> that's just that's just mad. <laughs> Those of <laughs> like, us who know you, Jane, won't fully, be the remotest bit surprised fully by that insane. revelation. I was like, I've got to go and do another one point three. <laughs> but I don't think that's that's not your grand total. That's you just being. No, that was me to get one three five five. Because I was on like one three three one, and I was like, "Nope, has to. I no. can't take a mile <laughs> well, the, off." The figure has to end in a five. It has to end in a five yeah, but or zero. Like, no, no, but this is because other talk- people must agree. It's like when you put the radio on <laughs> no, and it's like fourteen. You're like, "No." <laughs> oh my god, we've opened up Pandora's box now. This is. It's got to be a five or a zero. It can't be like one no, zero I, zero so one. I think what you, no, I, lunatic. Nice looking arbitrary numbers. Are very important. Right, thank you. Yeah, that's someone's that's got the, my back. Yeah, yeah, but no, but I'm I think s- he's just saying that because he's sitting next to you and he's a bit scared. <laughs> yeah, <right now. laughs> because everyone on the podcast oh is going to be like, "Why did you employ her?" <laughs> <laughs> but I think that what you, but and also you did two marathons last year. Yes. So there you go. Your mileage. But I wasn't. I wasn't like, oh wow, I'm really proud of that number. I just wanted it to be. A no, I think that's five. different. Lots of people would be very, very would be just showing off about a big long but, number. Right. But that's the thing, isn't it? Like you say, with regards to what Sam said, people doing it to get the mileage. You know, as much as we're joking around, it kind of the serious point is that we know it can lead to oh, yeah. injury, yeah, illness, addiction. It's a social media addiction. It is addiction. And, yeah. and I was really annoyed that my brother had run more than me and he's been injured. Shout out to Tom. One five hundred. I was like, how? Wow. But then I was like, I can't run two hundred miles in like a week. <laughs> I, I understand the competitiveness it if, of it. Yeah, yeah so yeah, I am. Sure. I am this person that you hate. <laughs> I didn't put it on my Instagram, but well, scant consolation, frankly. But, <laughs> um, I, just, I, I think if you start off it. at the beginning of the year and go, hey, this is my charity challenge for the year, or I'm doing it in remembrance of somebody, and you state it, and you go, that's my goal. But like you say, people accumulate these miles. 
in the course of doing things. And maybe they get, they've had a heavy first half of the year and they look at their stats and they go, ooh, maybe I could get to this mileage. And then, of course, they start adding in junk miles. And I think, you know, social media being what it is and everyone influencing everyone else, people putting their figures out there and causing, you know, jealousy or resentment or competitiveness. You know, maybe this is me being a bit of a, a kind of a running Grinch, but I, I just don't get it and think it's a bad thing. Yeah, I, I think that... I think people can take ownership and be proud of everything that they've done running wise. And I think that might be a great big end of year total. And I think that that's probably where a lot of it comes from. But I think, as you alluded, the comment that goes with it or perhaps the personality associated with it is where the negativity comes from it, possibly. Yes. I mean, I, I, yeah. Okay. I will agree with that. I've seen very few comments of people who go, gosh, my targets this year were to do this, that, and the other race. And I've just discovered that in the process, I clocked this mileage. You don't see that. I mean, I, I did 300 miles this year. I haven't run anything since June. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll finish, show everyone if they want to see. Did you finish yeah. on 300 or 301? Yeah, well, maybe. Because <laughs> that's to... where I would get upset. Um, anyway, I'm curious to know what you guys out there think. So let us know what you think. You can email podcast at runnerswell.co.uk with your thoughts. Great. Kerry, Someone thank... back me up. <laughs> Kerry, thank you for your news. No slash rant. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. A big thank you to our guest, Major Sam McGrath, and to you, of course, for listening. The Runners World podcast was recorded at Number 8 Studios in Soho and is available on Acast, iTunes and all your favourite podcast apps. If you've enjoyed the episode, please give us a review and we will see you again next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The secret to visibly firmer summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number 1 best-selling Andaria algae body oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. 
a blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW.